Hey, what's happening? This is Jerry Dixon, and I'm a rockaholic, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Thank you very much. Crank it up. Hey, this is Rachel Bowen from Skid Row, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is Snake from the band Skid Row, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. episode 503 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 503, we're very pleased to be joined by Snake Sabo of the band Skid Row. It's the first time we've had a chance to talk to him. The band just put out a fantastic record late 2022 called The Gang's All Here. Got a, a new guy on vocals who does an amazing job, Eric. Uh, so we're going to play you a little bit of the music here in a minute if you haven't heard it yet to get a feel for what they're about. They're going to be coming to the Rivers Casino to do a show on Friday night, April 14th with Warrant, an amazing double bill. Uh, be cool. I know a lot of you, this will probably be the first time you've had a chance to see a show at the Rivers. They've had a, a, a lot of different types of music, but this is the first real hard rock show that at least I can recall. So it'd be a great chance to get out and see what that event's about. A great place. Got a hotel there now. Obviously a lot of fun, entertainment, food, dining, etc. So we're going to play you a little bit of the title track to the album The Gang's All Here. We'll get into that interview with Snake Sabo. Working up 
gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have on the line Dave Snake Sabo of Skid Row. How you doing, Snake? Hey, buddy. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. Absolute pleasure. And you guys are rolling into town on the 14th of April to do a show at the Rivers Casino with your friends in Warrant. But something we haven't had an opportunity to talk about in a little while is that the... You know, at this point, it's about four or five months old, but the, the record, The Gang's All Here, um, which is just blistering. I think you know, maybe one of the most complete albums um, start to finish of, of any band I heard in 2022. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, it had been a little while since you guys had done a record, I think 2006 or so. What what kind of brought this one to fruition at this time? Was it COVID or, you know, downtime from the road or was it just time? Well, I, yeah, I mean, all of that. I mean, everybody uh, was faced with the same dilemma with the pandemic. Um, we're, we certainly weren't immune to that, no pun intended. Mm. It was uh, it, This record was actually recorded twice. And uh, it was recorded during the pandemic, uh, and we just... We weren't sold on it ourselves. Mm -hmm. We realized that we were capable of making a better record than that. So we went back to the drawing board. Uh, and during that time, Nick Raskulinitz and Rachel became really good friends. And Nick was like, I really want to do a, a Skid Row record, like the quintessential Skid Row record. And, you know, Rachel and I and the guys spoke about it. We were like, you know what? Of course, we want to work with Nick. His his resume alone speaks for itself. You know, yeah. uh, Hailstorm and Stone Sour, and, uh, Foo Fighters, and uh, you know uh, Rush, and so he's just Deftones. He's been able to, as a producer, do what a producer should do, which is make the best record for that artist by bringing the best good out of them. Sure. Um, and and so in order to do that, you need to put your trust in this person. Uh, and, you know, all, all egos were left in the parking lot, and we just followed his direction. And he guided us down this path, which was unbelievably exciting and joyful and uh, challenging. And uh, he really, really pushed us, but in such a positive manner that you were up for the challenge because you wanted to please him, if you will, yeah. you know, to make the make the captain happy. But he he has such a great uh, instinct of knowing what a person is capable of when the person themselves don't know it. Uh, and they realize, you know, through him, he's sitting there going, I, you know, I think that you have more in you than that. He goes, as a matter of fact, I know you have more in you than that. And then you sit there and you go, yeah, you know, I'll buy into that. And it was never a frustrating experience. It was always a, a thing where you're just, you want to get to the next level. You want to get to where everybody goes, oh, man, that's it. You know, like, that's it. 
And uh, that that's exciting, man. The 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 journey is is so incredibly fulfilling uh, when you get to that end point and you realize that all all of that stuff that you go through to get there is is worth it. Um, Was and so I'm sorry. Go ahead. With, with that in mind, no, with that in mind, we were able to uh, you know make the record that we we initially wanted to make and and we went through some crazy changes you know getting eric in the band and recording remotely uh with eric being in sweden and and us being in nashville and it's just everything that happened occurred in such a manner that uh it, it, it all you can say is it's serendipity played a huge role in how this all came together sure. because if you were to write this down and, and tell somebody uh, you know uh, this story it, it would be they wouldn't believe you the way it all happened with Eric and doing the record remotely having never met him uh, having him uh, fly in four days before our first show having never gotten in a room before with him and jammed with him you know, asking him to join the band via a Zoom call, uh, having not ever met him, uh, like in a, in a social setting. It's just everything. You go, everything is gut instinct at this point. Sure. Everything. Sure. Uh, logic plays no role in it whatsoever. Uh, and so, but we, we, you know, by the grace of God, we got here, you know, somehow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Was was Nick Nick's um, you know, when you, when you look at some producers, some producers sound are almost genre specific. You know, you think of this guy, you think he's quintessential this genre. Nick has no genre really when you look at his resume. Was that appealing to you oh, guys, yeah, you know, somebody right. that could work with with a corn and then work with Getty and Neil Peart and I mean, did that was was it intimidating or was that what made Nick almost more attractive for the project? Uh, it was a little intimidating, but absolutely more attractive. Um, that in and of itself, his resume like told us that his he takes his job as a producer uh, as the person who is there to bring the best out of that particular artist in that artist image not in Nick's image right. a lot of producers out there who make their records and utilize artists like mm. uh, you know working with an artist but there's a particular sound that that producer is known for yeah and ultimately you could pick out who all oh, that so-and-so produced that record and you can hear it but with Nick he's all about uh, allowing the best parts of an artist to come to the surface he's brings that out of everybody uh as individuals and collectively and he's made us a much better band than we were going in to make the record with him yeah uh, the, the proof is you know one listen through this album and 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 it's it's cool because you know i'll be quite honest i did not know who the producer was part of listening to it but then you go back and you start you know as we do we you know read the liner notes and you know look at all the stuff like this guy made snakes and arrows i don't get you know but this sounds like such yeah. a skid row record i mean this literally could have been 
could have been your sophomore album sonically but you know it's got a little more modern edge to it and then you look and your producer wasn't even making records until 10 years after your first album so um you know yeah, it's, right. it's a neat thing um with with eric you mentioned not meeting him and and you anybody can tell he can sing i mean that's a, a no-brainer he he fits very well with your back catalog it obviously pushes the the new songs into an awesome range was there concern you know because of the band's history uh, of bringing in somebody kind of sight unseen to be your singer you know that's kind of a little bit like history repeats itself um not to not to dig up any skeletons here but you know was that a discussion that you guys really had to churn over before going down that path again yeah without a doubt it was uh it was at the forefront of our minds we were like what what are we doing here like, are we, are we kidding ourselves or is he as good as we think he is? Or what if he gets there and he's just a complete tool? Like, yeah. he just didn't, he didn't know. And, you know, what's going to happen when we get, you know, are we going to be able to pull off these shows? It was just like, there were so many unanswered questions and, and unknowns that you weren't going to figure out, uh, until, you got a room. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, a get out. It's it's sort of you know a risky thing, and obviously you guys ended up the better for it. But you know you can think of many bands where they you know they, they go out and, and do something similar to this, and it maybe didn't work, and it ends up you know setting you back you know time you you know maybe tarnishes the reputation. But you guys, you know this this almost reminds me of Adam Adam, Adam Lambert stepping into Queen, where it was just like, damn, they got it right. Um, you know, so. yeah, I, it, it, you know, and, and it's weird. I mean, it feels so unbelievably right, and it felt that way before we even got together in a room. Uh, just hearing him sing those songs, mm-hmm. that's what that really, really sold us. Cause we knew he could sing. We saw the covers of 18 and Life that he did and all the other stuff, the Iron Maiden, the Dio stuff, the Deep Purple stuff. We saw all that journey. Van Halen, and so we were, we knew he was a great singer. There was mm-hmm. no doubt about it. And then when he started singing our stuff, that was when we went, "Wow, like yeah. this is next level, man!" Like now, not only is he nailing it, but he's nailing it in such a way that uh, it made me re re believe in ourselves. Yeah. To the point where maybe I haven't felt in, in some time. Uh, it, yeah, it, it, it's tough to say other than, you know, I, I, I watched and heard these songs come to life in the way that we had envisioned them when we wrote them. When, when you guys write these songs, I mean, is there, do you guys sort of have a, a a way in which you work. I mean, you guys, I mean, this is your sixth album now. You know, this isn't new to you guys. Do you have sort of a, you know, one guy writes the riff, then somebody works on a melody, or, or do you guys get together to do these? You know, some of them I actually listened to, and I wonder, did somebody write, was this written on the bass, and then we add a guitar later? I mean, is there a formula for that? No. I mean, the formula really is, it's a very general thing where Rachel and I get in a room 
we always start off with a conversation talking about what's topical in the world, mm-hmm. maybe, or what's going on with us personally, or some funny anecdotes or whatever, and uh, and that ultimately leads to, uh, okay, what do you want to work on? Oh, I got this riff, or I've got these lyrics, or I've got this melody, and we just sort of take it from there. We throw it at each other. If it strikes a chord uh, with the other person, or or if the other person, or or if you you know the other person is presenting something to you and they're really really passionate about it, and you might not be getting it at that point, but you'll go, you know what? I see how passionate you are, and I trust enough in our partnership and our relationship as songwriting partners and stuff that yeah, let's go down this road because I might not be getting it yet, but you are really really passionate and dialed in so yeah let's go you know that's just the respect that we've garnered with each other over the years uh that trust that you have in someone's instinct by you know seeing how passionate they are and they're going no there's something here i know there's something here they're like okay well let's go on this journey together you know and uh that's the fun part of it is you know always to me i'm always blown away that you know, you sit there, you're able to uh, create something out of nothing. Absolutely. Like, that's just mind-boggling to me. The situations where maybe you came up with something and you think, no, this isn't good, but Rachel pushes you to develop it further? Do, do you guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, I can just be sitting there banging away on a guitar and not even paying attention to what I'm doing. He'll be like, what's that? Yeah. I don't know. And then uh, I won't think much of it. I'm like, it's okay. It's like, no, dude. Like, let's roll. That's that's really good. Okay. And we pursue it. And then, you know, most of the time, at the end of the day, we're like, wow, this is really good. Or you sometimes, not often, but sometimes you pursue it, and it just doesn't. It doesn't come to fruition for whatever reason. Maybe the, you know, that inner or. the inner window we have, like I, I, I think that we as songwriters, we're just, we're just conduits, you know, and and um, something far greater or more important than us, and this this thing just comes through us, and then we we if we have our window or door open that particular day, these ideas come out from somewhere. I don't I don't believe that they come from from us our brains per se i just think they come from you know not to get too hippie-ish on you or whatever but but i just feel they come from somewhere in the universe and they happen to pass through you and hopefully your window is open and to be able to interpret whatever it is and 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 let it grow and uh you know certain times you feel that that window is open more than others and sometimes it's just locked you know for me during the pandemic that door was locked. I was. I didn't have anything. That yeah. was very frustrating. Yeah, and it's it's it was a tough time. And, and I imagine you know the inspirations and things that people use to write. I mean, you know, I actually expected to see you know this huge influence of like doom metal because you know, everybody's you know, hunkered down in, in their houses <laughs> and you know I was like, either music's going to go one of two ways. Either we're going to have that kind of '80s sort of like fun or or it's going to get really dark and um you know i think we're starting to see the fruits of that you know the the 
to that. Um, the the new songs I, I I see you know from like set list you guys did on your run with Buck Cherry, um, you know you you're, you're slotting in like the gangs all here, you know right near the end right prior to Youth Gone Wild and you've got Time Bomb in there. How how are those songs kind of absorbed by the fans? Because obviously you've got you know fans who might you know be you know familiar with the first two records and. and you know, or just, hey, I remember Skid Row, I'll go see them. And then you've got, you know, the kind of the diehards that were, you know, waiting for this record to drop with bated breath who, you know, absorb it as quick as they can. How, how does that material come in? I could see myself thinking it would fit fantastic in those spots, but how it's, are the uh, audience? It, it, oh, it's great. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, you know, what's weird is that and this has happened throughout our careers where, uh, you know, certain certain songs sound great on the record and you play them live and they just they fall flat mm-hmm. uh, that's happened with with several songs more than several in our career and you just go man i don't understand why that doesn't work but it just doesn't work with this you know we've had we we put uh time bomb tear it down and the gang's all here and uh not dead yet in the set uh, and it, it works right alongside, you know, making a mess or monkey business or the mm-hmm. threat, uh, or big guns. It's just, it works seamlessly. And, and I think the energy of those songs and where we put them in the set are what enables people, enables the audience to absorb it even more. Yeah. Because it works so well side by side with the stuff that they're familiar with. Yeah. And I think, you know, as, as I said to you prior to this, I mean, for me, this one might be the most complete record. Um, you know, and that's saying something, you know, because, uh, you know, I'll fully admit I listened to this, the shit out of the debut and Slave to the Grind. Um, but when I put this in, it's not like you've got four good songs and, you know, seven, eight fillers. You know, this album, I think, has more meat on the bone. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, fans, if they haven't, thank you so much, if they haven't given it a listen before the show, get on your Spotify. The world's made it so easy to, you know, listen to this stuff. Take the time to listen. One one question I always had for you, Snake, and and this kind of, this goes back 31 years now at this point, when you guys came off the first record, obviously huge success, you know, 18 in life. I remember you were just, you couldn't go anywhere. The second album, you know, I, re- I think everybody remembers seeing the video for Monkey Business when, when it hit MTV and thinking, damn, that was there a conscious thought that we need to get edgier to be contemporary yep. and, and going out with Pantera, which, you know, in hindsight was brilliant. But was that a discussion you guys had? Not so much about it, it was. It's- Yes, to get edgier, we felt that we needed to explore that side of the band, especially after touring for 16, 17 months and, and seeing the world for the first time mm-hmm. um, and all the different cultures that we were lucky enough, fortunate enough to experience. And, you know, places like Russia and, and Japan and Southeast Asia and Australia and New Zealand and all over Europe and South America, it was just in Canada, it was just an incredible uh, experience, overload almost. Because you got to remember, we had, none of us had been anywhere. 
Sure. You know, we were we were kids, you know, uh, through and through, even though we might have been 22 years old. We were children, man. We didn't know anything. We weren't worldly. And so having the success that we had and seeing the world in, in, in through our uh, rose-colored glasses, it, it, it reality uh, really played a big role in, in how the great things about our world and also the not-so-great not things mm-hmm. that we weren't privy to uh, just through, you know, high school history class or whatever. And so when we came out of that record, the first record, I think we wanted to make a heavier record, but by that same token, what we were writing was just naturally developing that way. Yeah. Um, you know, riffs that I was writing and, and riffs that Rachel were writing were coming out, and Scotty, were com- just coming out in a heavier direction. That part wasn't forced or manipulated. That just happened. But that was that was spurred on by our uh, perception of what we had just been through for the last right. two years. Yeah, as a, as a fan, I remember thinking, you know, and I think especially with the, with the benefit of hindsight, you know, so many of your contemporary bands at the time kind of went maybe a little more synthesizer, a little more radio friendly, to the point where it became super saturated and ultimately i think turned a lot of people off and you guys seem to you know make a hard left and at the time we're like well this is maybe a little bit risky but then you know you look back you know the decision to take you know a pantera out on the road and and kind of get into music that was a little more approachable to the guys who like the heavier stuff which didn't take as big a bath as you know more of the hair stuff i i guess during the 90s um right it, it really looked you know like a smart move and i was always curious if that was just luck that that's the way the music naturally went or if someone sat you guys down and said guys you know we need we need you to go this way um you know if somebody had that kind of forethought or you know but no no one no one of the things that is that no one ever said to us or attempted to force us to go in a certain direction at all um that would have stunted our growth as writers for sure yeah and writing writing music writing songs has to be a selfish act Mm -hmm. and i know it sounds weird but it has to be you have to be writing in order for for you to be uh creating something that's genuine you have to be writing from from the the purest parts of your of your soul and your spirit and you have to love what you have written in an honest and objective way before you can even hope that the public will connect with it you have to be selfish you have to think about yourself first when writing and then hopefully that will connect with the audience uh, you can't write for the audience because by the time you 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 get it out there, they've moved on. That's, so playing that game doesn't work, and yeah. that's, that doesn't interest us. Yeah, and you you might have just hit the nail on the head. Is that by the time you make the record, people have moved on. You know, the the Alice in Chains record dropped. You know, the you know different 
you know corn and 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 some of these bands turn people's attention and you know in the life cycle in an album is like you record it and put it out the same day let's take a no you, you you guys are rolling in on april 14th you're going to be doing a show with the guys in warrant um going to be at the rivers casino beautiful venue i know a lot of people this is one of the first full-on kind of rock shows they're having there so i think a lot of people are going to be excited to get there and see what the place is like and and as i mentioned the gangs all here is available now definitely worth not only listening but picking up a copy before you come to the show man i want to thank you for your time yeah man thank you we're looking forward pittsburgh pittsburgh and, and the surrounding areas have always been awesome to us from day one and you know we're kind of neighbors in a sense you know we're a yeah. jersey band and uh we made our bones in, in in new jersey new york and pennsylvania and the northeast and so it's always great to have an opportunity to come back to this area and like i said uh pittsburgh is you know hard work and blue collar and uh that's where we you know that's how we grew up and that's who we are and so that's why i think we uh connect so well with the people uh of pittsburgh and you know it's great that it's great to have the guys of warrant out with us because they're a great band and great guys and a lot of fun to watch and 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 uh, experience and so you know i believe uh you know the the goal is is to you know make sure that everybody has a great time and feel that, you know, they got their money's worth and then some because uh, we have so much respect for the audience. We know how hard it is to make a buck these days and, and to be able to, uh, you know, sit there and, and lay down the kind of money that they lay down for tickets. Uh, we It's our duty and our responsibility to put on a great show for, for them. So we're always... We're always cognizant and respectful of, of the audience, and we do our we do our best. It's it's a a good high energy show with lots of great songs, and uh, and we look forward to being there. All right, again, April fourteenth, Warrant opening for Skid Row, the Rivers Casino, right down by Akershore Stadium. An amazing double bill. Gonna be a fun night. As I said, there's a million things to do at the casino. Awesome to have live hard rock music there. So. And, and as I mentioned in the interview with, with Snake and wasn't just blowing smoke, the album, The Gang's All Here, might be the hard rock record of 2022. Um, admittedly, didn't give it a, a great listen the first time when it came out, went back in preparation for this, and, it, and really consider this to be, my opinion, Skid Row's most complete album. There's no throwaway track. I mean, this could easily have come between the debut and Slave to the Grind. Sonically, song-wise, maybe not quite as edgy as Slave to the Grind, uh, but not as pop as the debut album, but a complete, complete record. So get out, check that out. Obviously, if you're going to the show, I recommend you listen to uh, at least a few of the songs so you're familiar with what they're going to be playing and uh, enjoy the show. You can get information for tickets at ironcityrocks.com. We'll have links to where you can get the album, the band's page, etc., invite you to check out us on social media we are iron city rocks on facebook youtube instagram tiktok snapchat the list goes on and on you can reach us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com let us know what you thought of the show guests you might be interested in us having guests you're tired of us having love to hear any feedback we 
we can from you guys. And until next time, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen. (laughs) 